and welcome to the Rogers Roundtable. I am Calvin Rogers. I'm joined alongside my cousin, Selden Rogers. And uh, first, I'd like to just apologize to everyone listening. We've kind of thought Uncle Robert would be joining us this week, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it up on Saturday because of the weather. Had a lot of snow over the weekend. And uh, so instead, we have my dad, uh, James Rogers, joining us uh, tonight. So thanks, Dad, for coming on. Thanks for uh, finally having me on. Um, you know, when I first heard that this was going to be a podcast with my son and, and my nephew, I thought, oh, this is great. Great. You know, they're probably going to put me on first. I mean, you know, I'm Calvin's dad or maybe uh, Rich, perhaps maybe I'll be second. So then I wasn't first and then then I wasn't second and then and then I wasn't third and then I wasn't going to be fourth. But so thank you, Robert. Uh, I told my wife about this and she said I sounded like a spoiled brat, uh, you know, acting like, you know, who do you think you are? You need to be on and this and that and the other. But uh, you listened to our explanation as to why we hadn't had you and Uncle Richard on. You know, kind of keep you in the back pocket just in right, case. Right. And and she said I sounded spoiled. And I thought to myself, well, sure, I'm spoiled. I mean, I was mommy's favorite. <laughs> whether whether the other ones agree with it or that or not, I mean, how can you blame her? Right. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Uh, let's get to the first question here. Okay. Where do you fall in the order of 13 children? And can you tell us a bit about your immediate family? Yeah. Um, I'm number 12 out of 13. So... Second to youngest, but the youngest boy out of, of seven. Um, I've got um, my wife, Samantha, and six children. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about my kids. Um, Vendela is my oldest, and Sophia is my youngest. Uh, Vendela is... Uh, just a little bit about, you know, how I feel about them or, or characteristics that I think they have. And I think that she's uh, generous. Uh, she would give you the shirt off her own back, uh, even if she didn't have another one to put on. Uh, she never gives up. Uh, she's had some rough goes, uh, some uh, self-inflicted, uh, but others not so much. But through it all, she still trusts God for everything. Piper is her daughter she's seven and i get to see her every tuesday uh, and i look forward to that playing games with her savannah is my second oldest she lives in new mexico she's married to dominic and has uh, two children ava and uh, new baby ember uh, they live in new mexico and they're both uh, serving god with their life in their church uh, mesa baptist church in new mexico and savannah's a lot like me i think because I get caught up in different things and nutrition and whatnot, and she's um, big into that. Um, Calvin is my third oldest. He's married to Adriana. They have Evangeline and Enzo. Enzo is just a year old, and Evangeline's three. I see Calvin the most, obviously. He lives directly below me. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, that sounds bad. You know, I get to see him all the time, and he's always around, but it, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. I like having them around. I like seeing my uh, grandkids there at the house. My Do you like seeing Adriana too? Or Yes, I like seeing Adriana <laughs> as well. <laughs> Serena uh, 
is next in line. She uh, lives at the house as well in my in-laws old apartment. Samantha's uh, mother and father died a couple years ago and uh, they, she moved in there. She also lives there with uh, Sadie. But Serena, I believe, is sentimental because she wants everything to stay the same in, uh, in that apartment. Uh, doesn't uh, really like changes. Sadie uh, lives there with her. They both work at uh, Panera and they're both managers there. Uh, Sadie uh, is very thoughtful. She's always thinking about me and bringing me snacks, you know, whatever I like. And she loves to bake, so she's always making something and bringing it up for me. Sophia, my youngest, just got married uh, to Noe. They live in New Mexico, where he's from. They're only about an hour and a, uh, an hour and a half from where uh, Savannah lives. She is very tenderhearted. Uh, and plays piano. Of my kids who all learned piano, she learned it and has stuck with it as, as well as Savannah has. I really miss her piano playing. As a matter of fact, the last time uh, we packed up the piano for her to take to New Mexico, she played my favorite song, and I, we all got a little bit choked up. <laughs> and I loved watching old TV shows with her. Uh, I Love Lucy and Barney Miller and... Stuff mash. like that. Yeah, mash. You didn't like uh, Calvin's one song that he knows how to play on the piano? The one uh, song that he plays every <laughs> single time? <laughs> yeah, the song from Shrek or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it's called either, but I just know he plays the same song every time he gets out of piano. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get into the next question. Um, We asked everybody else how they would describe your parents, so how would you describe your parents? Well, I wrote down a bit of a history lesson here on uh, my parents. Uh, Margaret and Robert were married uh, June 27th, 1943, two days after my dad's 19th birthday. He was he got a draft notice to be uh, sent to uh, boot camp in Fort Dix, New Jersey. Um, and so they got married just prior to him being shipped, I think it was about a week after, um, yeah, June 27th, they got married and, uh, he was sent to boot camp July 9th of that same year, spent however long it takes in boot camp and was sent over to, uh, France, Normandy. But the interesting part of that is, uh, D-Day, uh, when the United States entered this war and, and stormed the beaches there with, the uh, amphibious uh, vehicles apparently it was the largest amphibious invasion in the history of warfare 5,000 ships and 150,000 troops uh, went to five beaches in Normandy uh, he actually was deployed to France one week after uh, D-Day and D-Day I didn't even know what the D stands for in D-Day but D is just day <laughs> So day, 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 but it just it just <laughs> designates the fact that it's the start of um, war for for our country, and I and I wrote this down um, at 19 years old. He was married and headed for war, and at 19 years old, uh, myself, I was still living at home. I had 
no ambition really for anything. I didn't have a job, didn't didn't have any prospects. I mean, the, you know, he had to grow up and he had to grow up in a hurry. And Gene talked about that he dropped out of school. At, like he only completed the eighth grade. Eighth, eighth or ninth yeah. grade, right. So I don't know if he went to work after that or what he did, but obviously he had to grow up a lot faster than... Yeah, I think people of that time period were more mature. Yeah. Um, you see people today, you know, 20, 30 years old, don't have it together. But um, also... I'm sitting right here. I mean, just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, I think, have it a bit more together as far as that. I mean, you're going to take over your dad's business, right, Selden? And, and yeah. uh, Calvin has been, you know, doing something since he was 14, cleaning cars or, or whatever else. But, yeah, so on my dad was 19 and he was married and, and headed to war. On my 19th birthday, my dad died uh, March 5th, 1986. And I was just a kid, you know. Uh, some would say, you know, I had no ambition uh, at that time and and some would say i still have no ambition because <laughs> i don't want to work or whatever but hey i still work i still do stuff i'm like my father uh quiet mostly i think that i'm generous i'm clean i want things done right orderly um, when i was you know i still pick up hitchhikers if i see them i remember traveling and my dad seeing hitchhikers and picking them up and i was scared to death but uh, you know, he he wanted to help people. Uh, my mom, um, without my mom being as outgoing as she is, and and uh, caring for every one of us kids, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have gotten saved. Anybody that uh, is saved is saved because somebody told him about Jesus, and that was my mother. Um, my dad was frugal. Some say cheap, straightening nails and stuff. I mean, I still do that. Uh, he chainsawed his hand or at least, you know, didn't chainsaw it himself, but it was an accident, Mark, whatever. Uh, but he didn't go to the hospital. He sewed that thing up himself with needle and thread. And I, you know, saw it. I was like, that's disgusting. That is disgusting. And that's crazy. But, uh, I'm like that because Serena broke her front tooth off, uh, falling down the steps. And one time she hit some sort of um, exercise bike chipped it off so the first time i glued it back on with super glue <laughs> but uh, so and you think to yourself well that's nuts you know just take her to the dentist but the next time she broke it it broke but not at the a little bit higher glued, up the, the super glue line so that thing held, held. <laughs> uh, i used to put uh, screws in the sole of my shoe because it would coming off or duct tape it whatever Screws. <laughs> yeah. Screw that it was a big old together. heel on that. It was like hiking boots or whatever type. Yeah. It Until was a the screw goes right through it. <laughs> In your foot. Right. Uh, Selden and I, obviously a part of larger families, not as big as yours, obviously, but um, we could probably both share some stories around the dinner table of, you know, you get that many people around a table and some things are happening. So can you kind of give us a, description of what it was like growing up with that many people eating dinner and uh, maybe some stories that were shared yeah um like everybody else we talk about eating together uh, praying together um having 
meals that whether you liked them or not you were eating them um my mother would make liver i don't know as anybody liked it but you had to sit there and eat it i mean the one time i sat there and sat there and you're just like look you're not you're not getting up from the table to eat this and then some of the ones who were cleaning up the table <laughs> gene and rich and whoever they're just like just eat it already you know it's only going to get worse <laughs> it's <laughs> just cold. Like, it's, yeah the colder it gets and i but hey i had to sit there till i ate it all and did you eat it i ate it i ate it but um disgusting next yeah. day for breakfast if you had to <laughs> if you had to uh, i was going to tell a story about uh the fact that uh, when i was when we because we were Catholics, uh, we had certain prayers, and one of the prayers w- was always the same for uh, St. Grace. Uh, I remember having my friend uh, Sean Kelly over uh, one time, and we sat down to eat, and I, I said, hey, Sean, you want to say the blessing? And I'm just picking on him, you know, because I know he's not going to. But he was raised Catholic, so he started right in with, uh, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. And uh, it's like, you know, you don't ever forget. But uh, after my mother was saved and my brother Mark was also uh, saved, he, he spoke up after the prayer that we had said. And he just said, you know, I'm sick of this rote, R-O-T-E, prayer. And I think he was in college at the time. I'm not even sure I had to look the word up. But rote means mechanical or habitual repetition. And that's just what it was. I'm not saying that the prayer is bad. I mean, the words of it, you're thinking to yourself, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we're about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord. Amen. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's just the fact that you're just repeating it and it has no meaning to you. So, but when he spoke up, I was scared to death. I'm thinking to myself, he is going to get it right now. My dad is, you know, saying, you're done. You're not even having dinner. Get out of here. But actually... Uh, what changed was the fact that we didn't do that anymore. It was just uh, take turns and just pray out of your heart and say whatever you want to. And we didn't uh, use the memorized prayer anymore. I remember in uh, Sunday school when Jordan Philbrick was my teacher. And he we would all have to pray before Sunday school started. He'd pick somebody. And, you know, he'd always, like, remind us each time, like, when you're praying... You're talking to God, and it's serious. Mm. So think about that as you're praying, you know. And when you're just saying the same thing every single time, you know, are you just saying it, or right. when you're saying it, are you do you think you're talking to God? So that's right. You know, just something to keep in mind. So that's probably where Uncle Mark was coming from. <clears throat> yep. If I had to guess, <laughs> I guess I could ask him. <laughs> uh. I think I'm going to know the answer to this question, but which sibling were you closest to growing up? Uh, That would be Selden's dad, Richard. Um, We shared a room together ever since we moved from New Jersey, and I was seven, and uh, he was eight, I guess. Uh, Shared a bedroom, because it was five bedrooms, and there was two in each bedroom. Uh, Gene and Lisa, me and Rich, John and Mark, and then Jerry and Amy. And then my mom and dad and the, the fifth one. But uh, we did, you know, everything together, whether it was sports related, whether it was, you know, being sick. I remember we had bunk beds um, and it, this is a weird thing we did, but we played this uh, name that tune, 
you know, I can name that tune in, you know, five notes, ten notes. It was a game show. Well, we played it, but we didn't sing the notes. We would just tap on the wall <laughs> in rhythm to whatever it was to try to, you know, and then you had to name that. Name that, uh, not tune, but knock on the wall. We had little uh, stuffed animals. I had a teddy bear. He had this little Snoopy doll. And we got sick. We were just, oh, I mean, we were just so sick, throwing up and everything else. And my mother read about this thing called the Brat Diet, B-R-A-T. So it was bananas, rice, apples, sauce, applesauce, and tea or toast. And that's all we could eat. Uh, so she'd bring us whatever and you know we got rice and we got applesauce we're thinking this is disgusting i can't even eat this and uh i remember him passing his little snoopy doll up to me and he had stuffed applesauce and rice into the neck of this doll because it had a rip in it he was like i'm not eating that um you know we'd play football uh we'd always buy a nerf ball brand new every year and uh, he'd be the thrower, I'd be the catcher. And we would determine that if the pass was caught, that this ball was going to be a good ball. The first pass. <laughs> yes. First pass thrown with the new ball. Uh, yeah, played football, basketball out in the backyard. We had made a uh, uh, basketball backboard out of some plywood and then painted it with uh, logos on it. Uh, he was a Phoenix Suns fan and I was a Lakers fan. Uh, but we also put the Boston Celtics and uh, I believe the Philadelphia 76ers on it because I think they were the you know, well-known teams right. at the time or whatever. But uh, Oh, during uh, some of our uh, nights, he would uh, we'd talk and I guess he was learning his helping verbs. And uh, so he wanted me to help him learn his helping verbs, which I still know to this day. Be, am, is, are, was, were, being, been, has, have, had, do, does, did, may, might, must, can, could, shall, should, will, would. Anyway, <laughs> my joke for that is to say that when uh, people ask me what my pronouns are, I say my pronouns are he, him, and my helping verbs are <laughs> be, am, is, are, okay. was, were, being, been, has, have, had. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was my closest friend growing up. Whatever he believed, I believed. Um, it didn't matter if it was true or not. He believed it. I believed it. And if he had an opinion on something, you know, that was my opinion. Me and uh, Rich uh, played uh, football in the backyard where we always play against uh, Mark and John. And it was usually, in my head, I remember being me and Mark against Rich and John. Uh, John was a little heavy. Rich was a little chunky, and me and Mark were the two skinny ones. So I don't know why we paired up that way, but that's the way we did. And I don't, I don't recall. You know, we were better than them; they were better than us. But I do remember uh, tackling John one time. I mean, I must have been, you know, fifty pounds soaking wet, and here he comes barreling down on me. But I just went low, and and he fell right over top of me, and it just took the wind right out of me. And I remember Mark, you know, picking me up and just saying, oh, wait, great tackle, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you were out there playing tackle football. It wasn't two-hand touch or... Well, apparently it two was Two-on-two tackle. Two-on-two tackle. <laughs> two tackle. How old, How much older is Uncle John than you? I believe uh, six years. Six years older. So if I was, yeah, 10 and he was 16, or if I was eight 
he was he could have been murdered. <laughs> yeah, probably eight and fourteen, nine and fifteen, whatever. Yeah, that was a good tackle. You wanted to mention, and Gene brought it up about your dad being called George Blanda. Yeah, um, my dad didn't play football with us, um, but if he was passing by the field <laughs> to get to the garden, uh, we'd holler for him. You know, hey, hey, dad, you know, kick a few. And we had uh, two uh, crab apple trees in the backyard that we used as goalposts. So we'd kick this Nerf football, and I thought, you know, we're kicking this thing forever, you know, probably 20 yards. But he'd stop and, and kick with us. Well, he had his moccasins on, you know. He did everything after work in his moccasins, so here he comes to play with us and uh, kick a ball. Well, George Blanda played uh, quarterback, but he also kicked field goals and he was a what they call straight on kicker uh they don't have those anymore originally the world uh the nfl record holder was tom dempsey and he was a straight on kicker had half a foot but anyhow when the new soccer style kickers came my dad was always like oh these sidewinders you can't trust them they're always hooking it never do that just kick it straight on it'll go straight so the one time he kicked it, I mean, his moccasin flew further than the ball did. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, he had the white hair, and uh, George Bland played till he was, I think Gene said, 48. 48, yeah. Yeah, had the uh, buzz cut, and uh, yeah, forevermore. We just started calling him George, and he, I guess he liked it. He didn't tell us otherwise. Uh, you being one of the <clears throat> one of the younger siblings, you may have um, seen your parents sacrifice more than maybe some of the other ones just because, you know, a lot more kids at that time. Um, so do you know of any sacrifices that your parents had to make raising 13 children? Um, the I didn't really think about them sacrificing anything. I never thought about us being poor. I never thought about us being without. Uh, obviously, they canned the garden food they grew and they um, had cars that were not new <laughs> but I mean I never thought about them sacrificing anything. I only learned later on from um, my mom coming up and, and staying with us when she'd come up she lived down in New Jersey with Dennis and she'd come up and stay with us because we had a room for her but she said that they had uh, borrowed money each Christmas for to buy presents for everyone you know, like $1,300 to buy Christmas. And I had never realized that. And then they just pay it back throughout the year. But I mean, the other things, whether they sacrificed on my dad, uh, his dream car was to own a BMW. Uh, I think probably just because he was German and BMW is a German car. Not that he... Uh, Mercedes-Benz is also German, but he did, anyway, it was a BMW. Uh, he never did buy one, but he did buy a Volvo. And my mom said that that was, um, you know, it was close enough. <laughs> like, he couldn't own, afford a BMW, so he got this Volvo. Uh, I believe it was a Vol Volvo 240. Anyway, drove it for a few years, and then uh, Jerry Ann uh, bought the car from my dad and drove it for a while. But when she sold it, I was just little. She went out on the front uh, back porch there and was talking to the guy, and she sold it for $1,000. And I was watching out the window as the guy's counting the $100 bills to her, you know, 10 $100 bills. I thought, oh, my goodness, that is, that is, that's more money than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> 
talking about cars. Um, you've owned a lot of cars in your life. I don't know what the total number is, whether it's around 50. Um, do you have a favorite car that you've ever owned? Yeah. Um, I, I, one time I had it written down. I had every car that I ever owned written down and the number, what that was. But um, I think it, the it, last number was like 40, 40 something. 45. 40, yeah. But if I counted every couple car, motorcycle, and ATV I've ever owned, it's <laughs> way over 50. But yeah, um, I've never owned a BMW either. And I tell my wife all the time, it's on my bucket list. <laughs> no, uh, as far as favorite car, um, I guess your first car is always your favorite. And whatever it is, piece of junk or whatever. And it was a 1980 Datsun 210. Bought it down here from uh, Amy Buick. They had it on their lot. Uh, my best friend's dad uh, knew about it. He owned a Datsun. And he's like, hey, they got one down there. You know, I was 16. Uh, he's like, it's 500 bucks. So I went down and talked to the salesman. Said, hey, I'm here to look at this car. He says, uh, yeah, uh, 1200 it's 12, I said, 1200 I said, this other salesman over here told me 500 He's like, well, go buy it from him. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll go buy it from him. So, yeah, 500 bucks for my first car. And insurance on that car was 900 a year, uh, 1986 or whatever. So I was like. Seems like a lot for yeah. a $500 car. For a $500 I mean, car, doesn't 75 matter. 75 bucks a month. <laughs> For a five hundred dollar car, though. I mean, I'm paying that now for a really? couple year old car. Right. I guess I have favorite, favorite, many favorite cars. Uh, I owned an Oldsmobile Aurora, which had a, a V8 engine, and it. it was pretty fancy. Larry bought that car off me. I had um, 1991 uh, Cadillac six door uh, limo. That was kind of sweet. We had a lot of fun in that. The kids. Uh, I had the seats face facing each other the second and third row. I turned around the middle seat and they'd face each other and the kids would get to riding back there. Yeah, throwing up all over the place because <laughs> you couldn't see the road. <laughs> that car, if you just stomped on it from a stoplight, it would light them up and uh, we'd, 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 we'd have a lot of fun. Kids I remember flying uh, under the back seat. hitting a deer in that yeah. limo and uh, we had stopped along the side of the road there and you'd gotten out to to look at it well i thought you were getting out to check on the deer i'm like i'm like uh, can i get out there and look with him <laughs> he's checking out the damage and i'm thinking he's going out there to look at the deer <laughs> yeah i owned a couple of volkswagen beetles i owned like five minivans I owned a big uh, fedex type sprinter van it was a 10 passenger my kids uh absolutely loved that van it was a diesel and we were able to put a 18 inch tv screen up in the front of the van and they all had uh wireless headphones and then they'd watch movies when we go on trips and stuff down to florida i uh, just remember my wife saying you know looking back from the front seat at all the kids watching the movie with the headphones i <laughs> just yeah, just Mouths entranced open. you know just <laughs> well uh when that when i sold that van uh they cried a couple of them cried i don't know if it was calvin or, or not but now uh, um having a couple kids and having a van that has a tv in it and taking a trip you think to yourself like you have to right <laughs> i right. mean yeah. you don't have to hear a word out of anybody for two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a, it is a good babysitter and also my kids get car sick like their mother so kind of kept them from getting car sick 
I also wanted to mention uh, I owned a 1991 GMC Cyclone. Uh, it's a rare truck. Only 2,999 of them ever produced. My truck was number 2,696 in the line of almost 3,000 trucks. But uh, had that for a couple of years. Didn't drive it. I mean, you couldn't. It only had 25,000 miles on it. I was saving it to be a collector. But uh, it was uh, all-wheel drive, turbocharged, fastest production pickup truck sold at that time and kept its uh, standing as fastest pickup truck for 30 years over 30 years yeah a car and driver uh, produced a zero to 60 time in 4.2 seconds um, yeah it was a fast truck but tell us a little bit about your childhood i'm just growing up with 12 siblings moving to new jersey or moving from new jersey to pa uh, a little bit about high school, you know, playing football, whatever, and then um, your early job history. A little bit about that. My early childhood was uh, big news. Uh, hit the paper. I've got the I've got the article right here with me from 1967. Uh, headline read: Richard gets bumped from status. Baby James Christopher takes over. Is that true? That why. Are you, you don't believe me? I'm holding. I'm just a, asking. I'm holding it right here. That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we believe you. In big bold print. Um, yeah, and there's a picture I'm going to post on Facebook, or maybe I already did post it. My wife did, but it's a photo of the twelve of us. They also did a, a follow-up article when Amy was born. So. So then you got bumped. I did get bumped. James uh, is bumped. I just thought this was funny here that says. Uh, the photo. I mean, nobody's smiling in this photo. Nobody. <laughs> and it says, uh, one-year-old Richard is not impressed with his replacement as baby of the family and gives James only a slight smile. And if you look at this photo, I mean, nobody's smiling. And Jerry Ann's given her uh, trademark smirk. <laughs> but, I mean, nobody's looking at the camera. Mark's got his eyes shut. But anyway, um, growing up, in New Jersey, uh, we moved when I was seven, so I don't remember a whole lot, but there was always somebody to play with. You know, we ran around the house. We had a pool. We did different things, uh, bicycles. I helped. I think I went on paper routes with uh, John and Mark a couple times, and I remember them stopping at a uh, grocery store, and they put a um, – because they wanted – they were trying to they were trying to make it so that somebody would steal their bicycle or trying to trap somebody like because bicycles got stolen all the time but what they would do is they'd take off the uh, hand grips slide a piece of paper on the inside of it with their name address and whatever on it so they could prove you know this thing gets stolen we're gonna go follow them and get the cops or whatever and say that's my bike we'll prove it yeah pull the hand grip <laughs> off there's my name and <laughs> address which I thought was pretty clever did they get anybody? Uh, they didn't. They didn't. No, nope. nobody was with them when uh, I. I don't. They they probably had bikes stolen, but not while I was with them. Uh, when I was little in New Jersey, that we had a fire in our house, and it was like a week prior to us going to sell the house and move to Troy, Pennsylvania, and we were all outside swimming. I think our cousins were there, the ga uh, Gamels, uh, my mom's sister's kids, and I was just walking around and I saw smoke coming out of the cellar door and I'm seven years old. So I'm thinking 
in my mind, I'm like, I've seen my dad do soldering with a soldering iron and it produces some smoke. And I'm thinking, ah, somebody's down there soldering. I went and told uh, everybody playing in the pool, hey, there's some smoke coming out of the cellar door. So they all come running and obviously fire. I mean, they tried their best with hoses and stuff and they called the fire department, but it was just contained mostly to the cellar as far as the fire. The smoke though was all through the house. But I was in the paper again for that uh, saying that, you know, you started it that I <laughs> no, but that I found it or reported it, you know, baby James saves the day. No. <laughs> but um, my sister, Amy and I, uh, I remember walking to school. It was probably just a couple blocks, but I'm seven years old and she's six years old and we're walking to kindergarten. I mean, you, in today's world, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't allow a kid to do that, but uh, back then it wasn't any big deal. Had to cross the street, I remember, because over across the street there was a fence and dogs. And we'd cross that, and, and the dogs would come running to the fence barking, and I'd be like scared to death. But I guess my mom thought, well, these two kids, they'll be fine together. <laughs> uh, there was a pond right up the street from us called Tommy's Pond. They'd be ice skating and uh, sledding in the winter time it was i thought it was huge but going back there and looking at it now it's just a tiny little tiny little nothing in the slope of a hill there's nothing but i remember skating there and 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 being a little brat and uh, tripping people and this girl was skating and i just tripped her and i ran away and and uh she came over to me and before she said anything i said i didn't trip you <laughs> i didn't trip you Moron. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, we moved to Pennsylvania in uh, 19, I don't know, I was in second grade, I think 1974 or 1975. Uh, my first friend was Brian Chappell, who uh, had come to me that day and said, you want to sit by me, by me at lunch? And he was the first one to ever talk to me or reach out to me that way. I wasn't friends with him all through grade school, but in high school we were uh, good friends played football together, and I hung out a lot at his house. Uh, in the fifth grade, I had a teacher named Mr. Toothaker. We all called him Mr. T. This was before Mr. T was uh, <laughs> uh, that you would know from the Rocky movies, Mr. T. Anyway, we'd play football, and we'd all holler, Mr. T, Mr. T, you know, throw it to me. But he liked me and uh, thought I was athletic, and he gave me baseball glove uh, this was a yankees emblem on this glove and i still have that baseball glove today i actually sent it in to have it refurbished in ninth grade i went out for football uh, my two brothers rich didn't make and, the team got cut uh yeah eighth it played in peewees and then didn't play again didn't play seventh and eighth grade didn't really think i was wanted to and then rich i think talked me into playing again like you know come on it's fun you know this and that so i went out for it in ninth grade and i wanted to be a receiver i wanted to be tight end i wanted to be you know i want to get the ball i want to that's all i do in the backyard with rich i catch the ball so i'm gonna that's what i want to do so i was with the receivers they call them disneylanders uh practicing and uh the coach grantier you know he's like you know here he had rich and john 
as centers. He's like, you know, where's Rogers? We're trying get him down here. So they called me down the line. He says, you think you can snap the ball? I said, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't no. know. Whatever. No. I, would have I said, mean, I don't want to be center. But he's <laughs> like, yeah, just get down there. Try it. Whatever. He's like, your brother's a center. You're going to be a center. So. And how big were you? Uh, in ninth grade, probably 150 pounds. Maybe not even. 150 pounds center. Yeah. In 12th grade. 165. Yeah, and by by the twelfth grade, I had uh, bulked up to 165. Yep. Uh, when I played, uh, Rich was a year ahead of me, so he wore number 51, and I wore number 52. So not until I was a senior did I get to wear the number 51. Although I may have worn it in JVs, I'm not positive, but yeah. And at the end of the year, John and his wife at the time, Julie. Uh, made a big uh, party get together and the cake was decorated in football theme. And it said the last addition to a great tradition. Hmm. Number 51, a little bit about uh, job history was I worked in high school um, down at the Troy bank after school, uh, just uh, shredding papers and sweeping up and cleaning up a little bit. I only got that job because Rich did it prior to me, and then he recommended I did it. Also cut grass for a lady near our house, uh, $10 an hour cutting grass. And I believe they paid me $5 an hour. Well, it took me an hour to cut the grass, and I made 10 bucks. So uh, <laughs> the job at the bank, though, was $5 an hour, and I might have worked half an hour a day for five days, so... Uh, you two know, and a half hours pocket money for any kind of ice cream I wanted at school lunch you know <laughs> um, my second job was after high school uh, Mark worked at American Silk Label and I applied there and got a job in uh, first I got a job in the printing department they print labels like the tag on the back of your shirt is a printed label and, and I did that and it was second shift Well, I trained on first and I didn't like it. And then it was going to be training for second shift. And I thought I'm not doing this. And I, well, maybe it was third shift regardless after the training, I was like, I quit. <laughs> so then I applied and, and worked in the maintenance crew and that was just dumping garbage, mowing lawn, doing different odd jobs. Um, for the plant down on uh, Canton Street, and also there's a, there was a plant up on the hill. Um, minimum wage at that time was three dollars and thirty five cents an hour, and I was making three dollars and seventy three cents an hour. The issue was I was friends with Tom Watson in school, and he graduated and worked at American Silk as well, but in the design design department, and he, he was an avid golfer and avid in sports altogether. I played basketball with him in high school and different things, but I used to joke about going playing golf with Tom Watson because Tom Watson was a famous golfer. But uh, anyway. Not this Tom Watson. Not this Tom Watson. He spent uh, a lot of time golfing and, and would ask me, and went, he worked different shifts, so I'd have to call off work to go golfing with him. And in the amount of nine months I called off nine times and 
walked into work one day and my boss was standing there at the door and he handed me a piece of paper and said, uh, we don't need you today. I was like, okay. And when they say you get a pink slip, the, the piece of paper was pink. <laughs> it was pink and I was fired. So uh, after that, I had no ambition, whatever. But still, uh, my Amy's uh, husband, Bill, I graduated with Hansel and his dad uh, worked as a carpenter and asked me to, if I'd like to work with him. They were building country cupboards all over the area. Uh, Twanda, Wailusing, uh, one in Gillette there, and others. But the ones I was involved with were in Twanda and... The one in Gillette? The one in uh, Wailusing, and also you know, maintenance on the one in Gillette. But uh, I made $4 an hour, and at the end of it, he's like, we're going to give you a raise. Because we think you uh, deserve four four fifty an hour. <laughs> I mean, work- when you're only making four bucks an hour, that's quite a raise. Yeah, yeah, fifty cents an hour. But yeah, nine months doing that, and I didn't really like it because of the weather and having to work in the elements and stuff. Because you worked right through whether it was winter or not, you know. After that, I didn't do a thing. Sat home. Just hung out, watched Dave Letterman till all hours of the night, and then slept till noon. Living the life. How old were Living you at this life. time? Um, I was uh, 20, 21. And my mom would, she'd be like, you know, you're getting your days and nights mixed up. Staying up so late, doing this and that. And uh, my brother John said, look, it, we're going to go out, apply to every place that's around. And you're going to get a job. So we went to Elmira because they paid more in New York. And I applied at probably five or six places. And one of them was FM Holland Company. And they called me same day to come in for an interview. And I went in and talked to uh, Gene Lathrop, who was also from the Gillette Facet area. And she knew my family, or at least my in-laws. And I was hired. And they started out at four dollars and fifty cents an hour, and I was I was excited. But it was second shift work, and I worked there for thirty years. And after the end of thirty years, I left making nineteen dollars and seventy eight cents an hour after thirty years, which sounds ridiculous because it almost feels like kids today start out at twenty bucks an hour. Guys huh. getting ripped off. I, my my question is. You know, you're 30 years in thinking, I could go anywhere right now and make this. What am I doing? I worked in the shipping department and uh, drove forklift and stacked boxes and worked in the warehouse. And yeah, I mean, I didn't mind it at all. I liked the people that I worked with. I liked the old guys, Dick Holton and Max Lathrop and and Ron Freeman and uh, Maynard Parrish. But at the end, I worked with Sean Kelly and uh, we really had a good time. And when he left the department to drive truck, he's still in shipping, but he wasn't with me daily. I was like, I'm done. I just, I don't like this anymore. And they hired a new guy and he was just worthless. And I said, I'm getting old. I can't do it all anymore. So I just quit. And after that, I started painting with uh, your dad, Richard. Uh, And, you know, he probably felt sorry for me. (laughs) Making a little more than 19 bucks an hour doing that. (laughs) He probably felt bad for me. He's like, this guy's 
down on his luck. He's got nothing else to do. Might as well offer him a job. And I'm thankful that he did. And I, I really did enjoy painting with him and Dennis and, and Selden and Robert and Madison uh, currently. And Caden. And Caden. We can't forget Caden. And Calvin. Yeah. And Serena. A little bit Serena, too. Everybody painted. Actually, if you think about <clears throat> it, even Rachel and Megan, when you first started. Yeah, That's Rachel true. was working. Yep. Yeah. I don't know about Megan. I don't know if Megan was, Rachel but Rachel was. was yeah. Yeah. Yep, you're right. I remember sitting on the bank there at the one place uh, near the meat plant doing a porch yeah. stain, and they were, yep, that was nice. But currently, I work down to Hall's Candies in uh, Gillette, and they make uh, peanut brittle, fudge, and uh, chocolate-covered things with my wife. Uh, all of my kids have worked there, Calvin, Serena, Sadie, Sophia, Vendela, and Savannah. Um, on the books, all but Vendela. Uh, Vendel was just there for one time going down at night like you know not really sure where it was like a, supposed to be saying this oh no as far as it just she was just there and they went down like a PJ night and packed fudge I mean even Evangeline has helped down to Halls uh, Calvin's little uh, three year old she's down there I don't know. <laughs> yeah they came down to visit and she was handing uh, fudge boxes to Samantha to then put through the sealer but yeah so my wife and I worked together at Halls uh, I guess the next question would be, uh, I want to talk about mom a little bit, how you met her, and then getting married, and then the contrast between her family and your family. I didn't know who Samantha was uh, in the ninth grade, but she said she heard me holler, hi, mom, when I walked past a classroom that she was in. Mrs. Rogers was a teacher. Pat Rogers was a teacher for Troy School, uh, ninth grade English. And I was walking past the, I don't know what I was doing, maybe going to the bathroom or whatever. But uh, I said, hi, Mom. And she said, Mr. Rogers, get to class. And so that's the first time that she had heard my name or knew who I was. Uh, but in 10th grade, uh, we had uh, history class together, Mr. Gesswicky. And... She started to like me, but I had still had no idea who she was because um, we used to have to walk between buildings. We'd go up to the commons building or we'd go up to the shop class up near the junior high and walking back down this. I don't remember who it was even that was with me, but she said, somebody likes you. I know somebody that likes you. And I was like, well, who? Tell me who. Well, I'm not telling you who. Well, give me your initials. Okay. Her initials are SS. I'm thinking about it. S.S. Well, the only S.S. I know is Sandy Smith. Sandy Smith? No, no, it's not Sandy Smith. So I'm racking my brain. And I say there's nobody else in our class with the initials S.S. So it's got to be Sandy Smith. Well, it turned out it was Samantha Sterling. Um, we'd walk around the, the halls before class just circle the hallway, walk around. I don't know if they still do that, but um, she knew me and she knew uh, my brother Richard. And she just, she's just very outgoing and very loud and very, you know, boisterous. And, and she'd holler from halfway down the hallway, hi, Richard. And he'd, he'd look up and he'd be like, who is that? <laughs> so, yeah, anybody that knows my wife, can believe this story because that's what she's still like today. <laughs> the 
fact that we uh, dated and got married, uh, got married when I was 22, but she lived in Gillette and her parents had this large house with um, four apartments. And I said to her one time, I'm not getting married. We're not getting married until one of the apartments opens up because I want to live with you guys there at the apartment. Um, initially, her family didn't like me at all because I was, uh, you know, I was a total jerk. I thought that I was Mr. Everything and, you know, I could like this person or that person didn't matter. And uh, so it was on again, off again uh, with our dating and they didn't like me at all. Or at least her brother said he was going to kill me. Scooch. But <laughs> uh, but I got married. And when we got married, uh, they treated me, I mean, I can't tell you, just better than like their own son. Seriously. I mean, whether they felt bad for me that I lost my father and whatever. But Kurt and Joey were very giving. They'd take anybody in. Different people they've helped out their whole life. But. So I moved, <laughs> yeah, I moved from Pen from New Jersey to Pennsylvania to Troy, not my choice, and then from Troy to Gillette, and that is the extent of my move <laughs> in my life. You know, I've worked the same job for thirty years and same wife for thirty five, and uh, six kids, and living in Gillette for all this time. And when the when they passed away, they divided the property up between uh, the two. Uh, kids that were still there, my wife and her sister, Shelly. So Shelly and her husband, John, live up in the back of the property, and we live in the front house. We had talked about uh, the story that we're going to ask you to share prior, but uh, I'm not sure even that I want to hear it. <laughs> I have to think about it, but... I want to hear it. Let's hear it. Funny story. What do you got? Yeah. Um, we debated on this because it's not only embarrassing for Calvin, it's a bit embarrassing for myself. But it's funny. All right. So here goes. Um, I worked at FM Howland Company for 30 years, and um, my kids were uh, homeschooled all, the whole while. Uh, my wife homeschooled all six of my kids. And so because they were homeschooled they didn't get out a lot and mail time was a huge thing so anytime mail would come they'd be like oh can i open it can i open it you know that's like every kid though Everybody that's like wants every to kid mail and yeah and so when a pack you're right a package would yeah. come if it's a fedex package or ups <clears throat> or whatever they're like yeah can i open it and i'm like yeah go ahead whatever so here i am at work and i mean i gotta go to the bathroom i i gotta go bad and i don't know if i'm gonna make it and uh, like Scooch uh, mentioned one time, it was a TTC situation. But, you know, worst turd-touching cloth, TTC. Uh, so I, I was like, what is that? So I run to the bathroom. Well, it's too late. It's too late. I've, I've, got, I've got the actual <laughs> He's TTC himself. situation. And so I go in the bathroom. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm cleaning myself up. I'm like taking these underwear off. I don't know what I'm doing here. I said, I got, I got to go without him. So I wad him up and I throw him in the trash can. And Which is where he should have left them. <laughs> <laughs> so I go back to work and finish out the day. Did you have another pair or was it just? Nope, that just, was it. Just your just, pants. Just finishing out the day like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had an extra pair just laying around. <laughs> you never know. So I go home and uh, talking to my wife about it. And she's like, oh, man, is that the 
is that the expensive underwear? Is that the snob underwear? S N O B was a brand name or whatever, but they were, I loved them. They're like fifteen bucks a pair. That's ridiculous. So I was like, yeah, that was one of those. She's like, okay. And I go back to work the next day, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna get them out of the trash. <laughs> So I work in shipping. I go in the shipping office. I grab a FedEx uh, padded envelope, and I go up, because I know it's got a seal on it. So I go up there, fish down into the trash can. Well, they're still there. <laughs> okay, great. The maintenance guys didn't empty it out. Grab the pair, throw them in the envelope, seal it up, go home. And uh, on the way home, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I could play a joke on somebody. They love opening mail. So <laughs> I come home. I set it on the, on the table. Here comes Calvin. Hey, hey, there's a FedEx package. Can I open it? I was like, have at it, son. <laughs> he grabs the package. <laughs> he tears it open. He waits a second. He's like, did you fart? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no. He starts to reach in and pull it out, and he's like, oh, my goodness, what is this? So, yeah. Um, How old disgusting. was he? he? He was probably, I don't oh, know, 10. Yeah. He was probably, no, it was probably 15, 14, no, 15, 12. Yes, no. whatever. He was just a, I was probably 15. <laughs> I don't know how old he was, but uh. I said I'm going to take these out to the creek because there's a creek that runs down the other side of our garage, and I'm going to beat these on a rock. <laughs> so I did. And uh, yeah, washed them, oh. kept them. You still uh, have them? Loved them. I kept one <laughs> hand pair. Up, hand them down to Calvin. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so that was the funny story. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Funny for some, not so funny for. I others. mean, it'd be, it'd be embarrassing for you two if anything, not me. It's just, I don't think any of the listeners either. That just uh. sounds funny, but. Well, I guess we'll uh, transition into the Facebook questions. <laughs> um. So we'll start out with um, Allison's question that she asked on Facebook that she wanted us to ask every one of the siblings that we had on. Um, she asked, what, um, what's your most vivid memory? She mentioned good or bad of Aunt Amy. So do you have something you'd like to share about Aunt Amy memory? Yeah, I thought about it a lot. Um, we're closest in age, obviously, end of the line, uh, 12 and 13, but... We, we didn't get along. I mean, what brother gets along with their sister, right? But we really didn't get along. Um, fought a lot. As, as kids on the playground, I remember pushing her down or knocking her off the monkey bars or whatever, and, and the teacher coming, and, I mean, it bloodied her nose or something, and she's like, it's your own sister. You should be, you know, you shouldn't be like that. But, yeah, we didn't get along as young kids we didn't get along as teenagers and she got married and moved out uh, but when she did and i got married um because her husband bill and i were friends in high school uh we, we did some stuff together um, kids were the same age they'd come down and swim i'd play tennis a lot um, with uh, bill and you know go up and berry pick and uh, blueberry picking up the, their house and stuff and and it was it was a lot better. I mean, you grow up eventually, you know. Uh, they actually lived in one of the apartments in, in the house that I'm in there. Kurt and Joey rented the apartment across the hall to them. So um, I just went through, because I had saved every 
email that she sent when she had cancer, uh, starting in 2013 uh, up until 2015. Two years she had the cancer before she died. And I saved every one of those emails. And if anybody wants me to send them those emails. Anybody listening? Anybody listening, I can get an email address and, and send you those. But I went through those um, trying to get anything that I could out of that as far as... Uh, but when she had this cancer, it was always, you know, God's in control. Um, if I die, I know where I'm going. Um, she said if uh, anyone in the family talks to anyone else about her cancer, she wants them to mention God. She wants her faith to be known. She was able to speak to ladies groups in different churches about her faith. And no matter, you know, all of the pain and suffering she was going through, didn't matter. Every one of her emails was, you know, uh, saying every one of them. She was, she had downtimes, obviously. But at the end, it was always, you know, God knows what's going to happen to me. And in the end of it all, <laughs> none of us cheat death, you know. So she knew where she was going. Uh, Vendela put a comment on there. Uh, what's an activity you enjoyed doing with your dad? Was there anything you did uh, together, just you and him? And then also, what's one meal your mom made that you miss? Uh, my dad and I didn't really do anything one-on-one other than I was on the back of the motorcycle and he was driving, you know. Um, we didn't, I mean, it, the, it was all together as a family mostly. And, and the stuff that we enjoyed doing together was watching NFL football or we would do gardening together, but I hated it, uh, you know watering and weeding and harvesting and I absolutely hated it. Me and Rich, I don't think either one of us would like it. We'd, we'd have to pick rocks out of the garden and uh, we would chuck these rocks, see how far we could chuck them. You know, and it was a neighbor right across the way that her husband uh, was a truck driver one time and it was trailers, like tractor trailer trailers just sitting in her yard and we'd throw them and try to hit that trailer. Because every time it would hit, it would just bang, you know, and then try to see if we could throw it over top and, and clear it. But, um, yeah, motorcycle rides, like I said. And uh, the one time I took a ride with him, we were looking for a place and couldn't find it. It was down past Canton. And he was just frustrated and turned around and just took off i mean flat out gunned it and my stomach just turned inside out i remember that feeling still today and i actually can feel it in the pit of my stomach right now um he was real uh, uh giving and i i wanted a class ring for my senior year i didn't have any money and i didn't want to ask it was like 80 dollars for this class ring i thought do i dare ask but i did and, and he and he gave me the money for that i thought I wasn't going to get it. I mean, he didn't have any money, you know. Do you still have the ring? Do still have the ring. Yes, I do. Hmm. Just looked at it the other day. Um, kind of a sad story about my dad was when I was older, I'd stay out too late and come home, you know, be home by 11. Yeah, well, 
didn't happen to you. And I always would tell myself, well, it's already a little bit after 11. I'm already late. What's more late? You know, I'm already in trouble. Well, that's late not, is late. Not, <laughs> not good advice. I mean, if you're going to be 10 minutes late, that is a lot better than three hours late. <laughs> so one morning I walked in at like 6 a.m. Thought, you know, I'll, I'll get up to bed before. <laughs> before uh, you got to be home by 11. Shows up at 6. I get to yeah. bed before they wake up. <laughs> I thought i'll just sneak in go upstairs and be in bed and he won't be up yet well he was up he was in the kitchen i walk in oh my goodness i just put my head down and i was he was like uh you know you don't obey my you don't know you, you don't obey my commands you don't obey me and if you don't obey me there's no love you know if you loved me You'd obey me. And I was like, oh, man, I just cut right through the heart. And I didn't say a word, and I just walked upstairs. But, uh, you know, the Bible says, God says to all of us, if you love me, you obey my commandments. He was just saying the same thing. And it wasn't long after that that he had a stroke and went in the hospital and, and never came out, died. But, I mean, I know he loved me. I don't question that. And... I don't look back at that and say, boy, I, I messed up and he died and, and I and he thought I didn't love him. Well, he was just trying to make me feel bad and it was a good uh, thing. I don't know if I ever did that to any of my kids, but... <laughs> Probably at some point, I'd imagine. <laughs> Probably. Um, as far as a meal that my mom made that I miss, um, I don't have a particular meal that she made that I missed because everything that she made for me that was my favorite, my wife makes. Uh, she's taken over and has done quite well. Although I'll say that every time she's making something, I'll say, you know, my mom, she used to do it this way. And and she loves that. <laughs> yeah, for all of you uh, husbands out there, wives love that. They love to hear that. So that's a little bit of advice for you. <laughs> my mom used to make it this way. Yeah. So Carly asks, um, she says, growing up, which sibling did you look up to most? She also says, Aunt Kathy mentioned during her interview that she wished she would have asked the tradition or the why behind the eggs in the shoes at Easter. Is there anything you wished you could have asked your parents about or something you wish you would have been able to tell them before they passed? Um, Carly asks a good question, but I don't have a good answer. Uh, me and Carly have a little bit of history. Uh, when Rich was in college, state college, I went down and uh, watched a Penn State game with him. And we were at a park somewhere just playing basketball. And she was there with us, Carly was, and I knocked her over. And she, her face hit the blacktop and <clears throat> her nose just gouged and bleeding. And, man, I felt bad. And Rich is like, you know, what are you doing? And I, I was like, I'm just playing basketball here. I didn't even see her, you know. <laughs> She still has a scar in her nose today for that. If you didn't <laughs> take, know that, if you look close, um, Richard was obviously the closest uh, one I was to, and and who I looked up to the most. Like I said earlier, you know everything that he thought, I thought, and everything he did, I wanted to do. And um, as far as having a, a tradition that I didn't understand or want to know more about, not really. No, and the Easter eggs in the shoes, I don't know. It was fun. Uh, I always made purple eggs because purple was my favorite color, still is. Um, and as far as wanting to ask my parents about something 
before and not being able to. Um, not my parents, but my in-laws, especially my father-in-law, because I took over this house and it is just, it's a huge house, huge house with a huge amount of um, renovations, let's say. They moved into it and it was a, a chicken farm. The barn up in the back was all chickens. The house, half of the house was where they raised chickens. The back part of the house was uh, what we call the back hatchery, had incubators in it. And just looking through pictures last night and seeing all the changes that were made and actually seeing those incubators that were down there. And I mean, plumbing, electrical, whatever. The guy wasn't a licensed anything, but he could do anything, whether it was, you know, right or not, or code or not. So, I mean, we've been doing a lot of stuff and uh, wishing me and Scooch, uh, wishing that he was still around to ask questions like, where does this pipe go? <laughs> Before we start digging right here. <laughs> yeah. Where does this go or why is that like that? And, you know, he's not there to ask. Uh, Savannah asks, is there one thing in your parents' marriage that you liked and carried into yours? Um, and then she... I'll ask you after, after you answer that, I'll ask the others. Um, my parents were strict, very ordered, very orderly, and I carry that on. I was very disciplined with my own children, and I keep a very ordered home. Um, my dad wasn't publicly affectionate, you know, like, you know, hugging and kissing on my mom in public, and... I've also carried that on. I don't like to be publicly affectionate like that. But um, they also uh, had a thing about, you know, not going to bed angry. And they, you know, probably didn't always keep that. And I don't either. But uh, it is something that I try to do now. I'll have to get mom's side of the story on that one. But <laughs> uh, she also asks, how old were you when you're... Uh, mom got saved and how many years after uh, your mom got saved did your dad get saved I don't know how old my mom was when she got saved but if I had to guess it was I was probably five years old because she told me that daddy got saved 10 years after and so I know that when we moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. We, I went to the Catholic school in, in uh, New Jersey till second grade. And when we moved to Pennsylvania, I went to public school. But we continued to go to the Catholic church and up until I was probably 14. And so maybe I was four or five years old when my mom got saved. And then 10 years later, my dad got saved because we no longer went to the Catholic church. Now, he, we continued to go to the Catholic church and my mom didn't want to, but she followed her man. She was just like, we're going to, you know, I'm not going to cause strife here. He's leading the home and, and we're going to do what, what he wants. I'm sure she said different times that she'd like to do whatever, but uh, we continued to. But he started reading his Bible and um, finally one day said, you know, what are we doing? You know, we're just following after uh, men's traditions and it's not the commandments of God uh, to me the story of the Rogers is one of faith faith from the beginning to the end and initially faith in the Catholic Church 
And finally, ultimately, faith in Jesus Christ. Like I said, she, my mom trusted Christ 10 years prior to my dad, and we did leave by it um, eventually. I have a, a paper that I'd like to read from. Uh, it's a fellow who was uh, born and raised Catholic, and it's a newsletter that I subscribe to, The Brain Call. T.A. McMahon is the fellow, but he was uh, a Catholic for 30 years, and this is just a summation of what he wrote here, and it explains it quite well. This is what he wrote. I was a Roman Catholic for more than 30 years. I became a Catholic through infant baptism. That baptism removed my sin and started me on the way to heaven. Some years later, when I committed a mortal sin, I was condemned to hell for it. Then the sacraments came to my aid. Confession got me back on the ladder to heaven. Communion helped me climb it. But every time I sinned grievously, I fell off, plummeting toward hell. My life was plummet, ascent, plummet, ascent. As thankful as I was for confession, I still knew I had to personally pay for my sins, either here on earth or in purgatory, in order to get to heaven. How long would I have to suffer in order to be purged of all my sins? No one could tell me. Would I make it to heaven? Well, yes, if, if I did not die with a mortal sin on my soul, but no one could be assured of that, not even the Pope. Even for him, the so-called Vicar of Christ, God's chief representative on earth, to think so would be verging on the mortal sin of presumption. Nevertheless, as a devout Catholic, I did all that I could to stack the odds in my favor. Masses, confessions, communions, rosaries, novenas, stations of the cross, Eucharistic hours, scapulars, medals, holy water, indulgences, acts of mercy, sufferings, appeals to Mary, prayers for help from the saints, etc., etc. My hope was in the church, its sacraments and its rituals, but it wasn't hope at all. It was bondage to a man-made religion. My dad found that out by just reading the Bible. Um, the biggest thing that I do when I uh, go out and speak to people is say, you know, do you know if you died today, you're going to heaven? Well, if you ask a Catholic that, <clears throat> they can't say, yeah, yes, because not even the Pope can say that, um, you know. <laughs> uh, but the Bible says something different. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Um, the Bible says you can know. You can know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. And I do. And my dad did. And my mom did. And Amy did. And anyone that wants to know, can know. Believe on Jesus. My mom uh, was the one who talked to me about Jesus, talked to all of us kids about Jesus. Um, she used to leave the gospel tracks in the bathroom to read <laughs> uh, chick tracks is what they're called and they're just a little comic book and my favorites were uh, somebody goofed this was your life and holy joe holy joe was about a soldier who was in the war and was uh, picked on because he was a christian and they would all give him nasty jobs to do and they'd throw their boots at him and he'd shine the boots and then they'd give him KP duty and he'd have to work in the kitchen and 
just whatever it was that he was just like, oh, praise the Lord, and he'd be singing and everything else. And at the end, they go out on a mission, and Holy Joe uh, gets shot and killed. I mean, the guy that sent him out was the sergeant, and he knew it was a dangerous operation. And he uh, got shot and killed, and the sergeant came upon him and said, you know, I felt bad for sending him out here, and here he is dead. But he's got such a pleasant look on his face. He really knew Jesus. You know, God save me. But that was one of the things. And my mother talked to us for a long time, and I read these tracks, and I knew all about the gospel. I knew all about Jesus Christ dying for us, but I never applied it to myself. And one day she was talking to my, well, not my, but a lady that lived with us, uh, Doris McClure, who um, she had talked to many times about salvation. We were in a red pickup truck. It was my brother's. I was sitting on the passenger side, and Doris was in the middle, and my mom was witnessing to Doris about Jesus and and uh, bowed her head and prayed with her, and she accepted Christ. And uh, at the same time, I did. I was 11 years old. It's 1978, roughly. And uh, later on, a couple of days later, my mom came to me and asked me, she said, Now, when I was praying with Doris, did you pray? And I said, Yeah, I did. I did. And she said, well, you got to tell people. You know, don't keep it to yourself. So she made you announce it too. So we, we probably we probably talked about it at the dinner table. Uh, you know. Serena asks, what was your favorite game to play with your siblings? Uh, my favorite game to play was hide and go seek probably when we were little in the dark. And oh, by the way, I'm afraid of the dark. <laughs> When I was little and we'd have to go to bed, uh, Amy and I would have the same bedtime and they'd send us up together like, you know, be with your brother. He's scared. He can't go up the stairs. And <laughs> so, but we'd play hide and go seek in the dark, but it wasn't just hide and go seek. You'd have to go find the person. When you found him, you ran back to the home base and you'd say, I see so-and-so by such and such. And, you know, if you could run to the base before the person who was it was, you know, you could free all the people that were found, but. Uh, Nerf football with Rich, basketball, like I said, we played in the backyard and riding bikes around Troy with the Turners, who was lived across our backfield. They lived, and a matter of fact, their uh, mother and father, uh, I graduated with uh, Richard Turner, who was nicknamed Turkey. Uh, we were friends with them. They had 17 kids themselves, and I remember that we'd go into church some one time when you know, it was Easter, and they'd say, okay, what mother has, you know, five kids, and what mother has this many kids? And you'd stand up or initially, and then everybody would sit down until, you know, the last one was remaining. My mom was like, you know, I got 13 kids, and I lose every year to this woman. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing um, that I liked doing as a kid was, was uh, playing a game in the backyard. It was football. But it was just like, you know, kick, kick off and then to one person and three guys on the other side and you'd go down and try to tackle them. And so whoever had the ball, it was tackle the guy with the ball. And we called it smear the queer. Anyway, we're just little and uh, playing this game. And, and if you didn't, I mean, I'd get the ball and run, you know, three feet and so oh, I, I fumbled. I don't have the ball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that type of Oops. thing. But I remember my aunt and uncle had given me a, a sweater one time it was a new york jet sweater green 
And I got tackled, and I got tackled in some dog manure, and got it on the shirt, and you know, since clean. But anyway, I I, I had that shirt, that sweater. I mean, till just like five years ago, I had kept it all that time, and I knew that uh, my niece Melanie and her husband Chevy's uh, Chevy's a big uh, Jets fan, so I sent him that sweater. Uh, don't worry, Chevy's. I washed it first. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I remember playing that game off. and getting tackled one time and just knocked out cold. Well, I didn't know I was knocked out cold, but I remember having a dream laying on the ground and they're shaking me and like, you know, and, and when I'm coming to it, I'm like, hey, hey. And they're all like, uh, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I just had a dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just had a dream. All right. You were knocked out. I had no idea what that even meant. <laughs> Uh, Sophia, Sophia asks, and I'll will also ask a question, but I'll include it in her question. Um, she says, "Did you really play for the Miami Dolphins?" And then Will asks, "How and when did you become a Miami Dolphins fan?" Yes, I did play for the Miami Dolphins. Sophia, this book proves it clearly. Uh, Richard, I believe, bought me a book, and it says about the Miami Dolphins, and you put like your son or daughter's picture in the back of it. And there's a cutout all the way through it. So it looks like it's you playing that person in the book. Um, and I would read it to all my kids when they were little, uh, right all the way up through Vendela, Savannah, Calvin. They all believed I played for the Miami Dolphins. I was like, look, see, here's my picture right there. And they all believed it. Um, and the reason I became a Miami Dolphins fan I was always told, because I don't even remember, but we used to buy bubblegum cards, um, NFL cards with bubblegum, and at Jim's uh, Chevron, which is only a quarter mile from our house, we'd go there and buy candy all the time. And uh, Richard said that one of the cards that I liked was a Miami Dolphin, and, and, and I thought at that time he got a, a Dallas Cowboy card, and that's why he started liking them. But, yeah, forevermore. I was probably eight, nine. And I'm still a Miami Dolphins fan today, although my son is... Calvin doesn't think so. Definitely more of a fan. Uh, I don't get all crazy into it like I used to. So I you're mean, not a fan? Oh, I'm a fan. <clears throat> not I, really much of a fan. I mean, if you're, if you're going to sit there and trash on the team you're rooting for, you're not a fan. <laughs> I, I think I'm just realistic when I look at the team and try to root for them and say, you know, they're good, but they're not that good. <laughs> not much of a fan. But at least he stuck with them. That's right. That's right, he Rich. Ain't jumping ship. That's right. I ain't jumping ship. No matter. And then you want to talk about uh, bad seasons and, and downtimes? I mean, come on. Dan Marino, you know, to me it feels like yesterday, but that was 20 years ago. <laughs> Almost 30. Uh, yeah, you think about, um, I mean, you were a Dolphins fan in the 80s, and you had all those good years. I mean, Uncle Richard was a Browns fan <laughs> for 40 years or whatever. I mean, how much... How much uh, excitement was there? It was good years, but it wasn't great years because, you know, get to the Super Bowl, lose. At least you 49ers, got there. Redskins. Yeah, that's true. At least you get there. Yeah. Maybe this year. No. Yeah, we're going to play Kansas City, and it's going to be a very, very cold uh, night, 7 o'clock game. And they said the te 
game time temperature should be like zero. So that should be great for the Dolphins players. Used to hey. 75 and humid. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. <laughs> I am too. That way the Browns won't have to play the Ravens in the second round. We hate the Chiefs. Yeah, who doesn't? We hate Patrick Mahomes. We hate Travis Kelsey. We hate Taylor Swift. All right. I don't can think we, say, we can be saying this. Can we say this? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. We uh, love everyone, actually. I think that's... That's uh, true. We do love everyone. That's about it. Um, you got anything else you want to add or no? No, no. Any thanks for... funny uh, stories? Having me on and... Uh, I'll let Rich tell any other funny stories. We're at uh, an hour and 23 minutes. I know you wanted to make this about a half an hour, so <laughs> it looks like it's about past your bedtime. So A little over. I might want to get you home. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> get him home to eat his bowl of cinnamon life and go to bed. <laughs> thanks to both of you, and uh, keep up the good work, seriously. All right. Thanks for listening uh, to the Rogers Roundtable. Hope you'll join us next week.